Welcome to Authors Revealed. I'm Becky Anderson. We're thrilled to have New York Times best-selling author Chloe Neal with her new book. It's the start of a new series. You may know her from The Vampires of Chicagoland. This is the new book in The Heirs of Chicagoland. It's called Wild Hunger. Welcome back to Naperville and Andersons. It's great to have you here again. Thank you very much. It's really nice to be back in Chicagoland again. Yeah. And considering Chicagoland, this, this is the first in a series, and it's just out two days, so we have you fresh on the tour. Right at the beginning. Yep, right at the beginning. So the heirs of Chicagoland, the mm -hmm. first, Wild Hunger. So how does it feel to start a new series? Um, it's terrifying in its way. I mean, super exciting. I'm really glad I had an opportunity to revisit Chicago and revisit some characters that we grew to love. On the other hand, it's a new series and publishing yeah. is a risk. It's a business of risk. So every time you start something new, you're really nervous. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of your fans who are very happy mm -hmm. because there's, and we don't want to give away too many spoilers, but there's a <laughs> lot of things in this new series that make them happy, those lovers of the vampires of Chicago land. So, I think so. Yeah. I tried to find that balance between giving new characters a new voice, um, giving them some new um, challenges and, and things to think about, but also really um, giving a connection to people who've been fans of Chicagoland vampires for such a long time. So I think, you know, if I counted right, I think this is your 21st novel. And you have a couple of novellas out there too. I a few, right? I think it's somewhere 20. in the 20s. I think 20? it's 20. 20. 20. So it's, what are we, 13 and 3 and 3 and <laughs> 1? So I think this is number 20. Number 20. Yeah. Okay, so my, my question is, you know, since you've been at this since 2009, yeah. your, since your first book was published, how does it feel? I mean, do you still feel nervous? Is there still that anxiety when you know the book's going to hit and it's publication date? Oh, absolutely. So uh, Publication day is still, for me, the worst day as an author because... When I'm writing, I'm an introvert. When I'm writing, when I'm researching, when I'm talking to my editor, that's kind of just all me. But then all of a sudden on release day, it's out there for everybody else. Right. And you want it to do well. Um, you know, you want to make your fans happy. You want to make your publisher and your agent happy. Uh, so it's that's kind of makes a you know kind of a balancing act occur on release day because you're you're excited but it's also kind of tempered by these expectations, so that makes it hard. But I am you know still it's still a release day and yeah. I'm still pretty excited. Yeah. So, so I know the book's only been out two days. Sure. And you have some rabid legion of fans. <laughs> I, do, I, do, <laughs> you do. I do. So what are you hearing from them? Because that's always interesting. Because you know there are when people were probably crying <laughs> oceans of tears there are moments when you when, when you they hated me when you ended with the. <laughs> 13th book sure. in, in the Vampire Chicagoland series, but now that this is this is a connected world, yeah. so what are you hearing from them? I'm hearing very good things. I mean, there, you know, there definitely are people who um, are enjoying the books because they think it's really different from Chicagoland Vampires. There are people who are loving them because they think it's a con continuation. So that to me says that I've managed hopefully to find the right middle ground, which is to give them something to kind of hold on to, but also a new step forward. Right. So it's the book takes place about twenty years after the thirteenth ended, right? Correct. Or, or, or after little, the epilogue right. of Bladebound, okay. which is okay. the thirteenth book, right? Right. So with twenty years later, um, and we we have sort of, and, and so I guess the question is, you have to world build, and this is your fourth series that you're starting. 
and you have to, and I don't know how you do it when you write 13 <laughs> books in one series, to keep characters straight, to keep plot lines straight, to keep everything. Sure. So now that you're starting off a new one, but you're basing it off of, of a world, but it's, it's 20 years or so later, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it, was it, does it give you more liberty to create a new storyline? And, and where, where did the idea to start this new series come from? thinking that you had just finished the other series. You know? So when I sat down and started working on uh, the first vampire book, which was, I think, in around 2006, okay. I wrote, I was basically, it was the first time I'd written anything and the words just kind of came out. And I wrote hundreds of thousands of words in, in a few months. And one of the things I wrote was basically the scene that appears in the epilogue at Bladebound mm -hmm. um, involving the child. I, it's a spoiler for Chicago Land Vampires, but we've, we're gonna we're past that point now. Yeah. There's okay. a child in the at the end of the uh, book in the epilogue who in a scene that I had written previously because I already had that in mind. So it felt very natural to me to say, okay, she's grown up now. What's she facing? What are her challenges? How has Chicago evolved in the last 20 years? Right. Um, and as to continuity, I have a fantastic assistant who, who her whole job is basically to, well, not all of it, but a big portion of it, is to make sure that I don't screw up and have oh, a continuity really? error. Um, it's challenging for me because I, since I have a day job, but I also write, I have to write relatively quickly. So right. when I'm done with a book, I have to kind of clear the cache and sure. start over. Yeah. So I can't remember anything really that happened before. I just don't have time. Oh, yeah. So she does a very good job of So she's sort of your spell checker, but on exactly. all the facts of a the worlds that you cre you've created. Exactly. So, yeah. Although I will say there are a few things in uh, Wild Hunger that um, I kind of wrote myself into a corner in Chicago Land Vampires because there are magical rules that I established. Oh, and I thought, well, right. we're going to have to deal with that because we said it six books ago. The rules ultimately still apply, even if the characters are different. Right. So that was a little bit challenging to make sure the pieces still lined up. Yeah, and I always find that so interesting because, you know, whether you're, when you're writing paranormal or whatever in your, your fantasy, there are rules to your world. Absolutely. And and it would be easy after you've written so many books to to break the rules yeah. until somebody catches you. Right? In 20 years in the future, you think, oh, people change. Yeah. And definitely attitudes change. That's right. one of the things I tried to capture in Chicagoland Vampires is really thinking about if vampires had lived kind of under the radar for so long in a city like Chicago, what would they have done? How would they have acted? How would they have protected themselves? Now the public has known about them for 20 years. Now what are they thinking? Right. Now how are they acting? Yeah. There's kind of a celebrity mindset um, was the way that I had imagined it, but you still have to be really careful that it makes sense in the context of all the things that came before. Yeah. So, so where where did the idea to start this year, that seed, where did it start to grow to continue this? Where where was that one idea where you go, you know what, I am going to just go into the future and I'm going to bring this child into this. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I think it was really the characters who did it because okay. I had a really strong sense of Elisa Sullivan, who's the main, uh, the heroine mm -hmm. of Wild Hunger. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, if, there's a theory that kind of children are either a reaction to their parents or basically a continuation of the things their parents kind of taught them and um, or they're, you know, a rebellion against yeah. it. And I saw her as a little bit of both. Um, she grew up in a very privileged life, but she also grew up as a celebrity and not something that I think was inherently comfortable to her as it would not have been comfortable to her mother mm. all that time ago. The politics have changed. She's the only vampire ever born as opposed to being made by Eight, biting. Right which puts a lot of weight on her shoulders. Um, so I had those ideas in mind and kind of thought of her as a character and the struggles that she would face. And then I thought of Henry Cavill as the model for Connor <laughs> Keen, a werewolf oh. interest. And it kind of just blossomed yeah. from there. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. easy. So, so 
Elisa, Elisa, you pronounce it. Elisa, I Elisa. say Elisa. Yep. I, that's what I'm going to say too. Sure. That's what I, well, that's it's, good idea. it's funny when you read a book and you get a character, the yeah. sound of the name, and you can't change it no matter what anybody says. Yeah. So she, she's the protagonist and, and the daughter of two very famous people, mm -hmm. you know, with, um, with Merritt and Ethan and um, her parents. And so she's been in Paris. So she's now 23 and 20, I think 23 and a half or 24. Honestly, okay. I think we changed yeah. that okay. one and I don't remember how we ended up. But she's been away because, and, and we don't want to do spoilers. Sure. But being the first born vampire, she holds a secret that she's not told anybody. Absolutely. So we can't say what that is. No, can't we're say not, what that we're is. We're not going to yeah. spoil anything. No. But she feels like she's safer when she's away from Chicago. Yeah. And not, and so that's why she's spending time, um, you know, working as a diplomat basically. Sure. In Paris. So tell us about her and her DNA, because literally we know she, who her parents are, right. those who are fans of the first series. But what, what elements did you put into her that maybe her parents don't have? Oh, gosh, what an interesting question. Um, you know, I think Ethan and Merritt, having fought together for so long and having overcome so many challenges, have a kind of um, bravery that they've developed together, a sense that they can overcome anything mm -hmm. because they've, they've done that together. I think Elisa feels a little bit like an outsider and not part of that connection um, because she was the first vampire born. She doesn't really have peers. She was a child when there are no other vampire children because yeah. vampires are typically made, you know, in their 20s or 30s or anytime after sure, their children. Sure. Um, so she grew up with other supernaturals. She doesn't have the same kind of connection, I think, to the houses as her parents did. Um, so I think part of her, a really important part of her is really trying to establish an identity that's different because she's always felt a little bit like an outsider sure. and figuring yeah. out who she is in that context. Yeah. I liked her though, because yeah. she's fun, she's yeah. snarky. She I, is, she you, definitely has well, the snark. Yeah, and but you put that into your books, into your characters, yeah, which is so refreshing yeah. because you can have, they're so plot driven. You have all these things happening. You have these incredible characters, but you al you always put the fun in there, which is so important. I do, yeah. and I think for yeah. me, that's my personality. But it's also how I deal with fear and concern. Is can we just laugh about it a little bit and break the tension? And that definitely is a theme. I think through many no, of my books. No, and I think I think <laughs> no, I think it, it carries through it. I think it, it's a it's a real plus okay. to a book like this. So, um, how has Chicago changed? You know, since we're looking at at this world, this world that's. Sure. Uh, 20 years later. So how has it changed? Oh, how can I answer that without spoilers? Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, when vampires first come out of the closet, uh, and this was again trying to think about how people would actually react in real life, there was a real, there was a kind of a sense of awe, but also fear and anger because there's something different and it's more powerful than mm -hmm. we are. After, I think as time passed, vampires became just part of Chicago. So while there's still a celebrity element because they're fancy and they live in this big house and they're unique, um, there's a sense that they're just really part of the overall community, so they're not quite a standout. Mm -hmm. But also we see um, in the inter uh, kind of intervening 20 years, there's been a lot m less conflict and drama among the supernaturals. There's been basically a time of peace. peace. Right. So um, th I think this community generally sees them as just part of the community. Vampires are still, I think, wary of that possibility because when you're immortal, you always know that there's some kind of oh, challenge yeah. on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I know Elisa has, is coming from Europe where things aren't quite as peaceful. They right? are not. Yeah, right. which so, I think is yeah. an interesting choice for her because when her when Ethan became uh, kind of part of the international political scene, really things in Europe 
kind of split from the United States and the connection that had been there before was was wiped away. So it's a really interesting choice to me that she chose to go to yeah. Europe and really kind of dive into that culture and that kind of vampire organization as opposed to staying in the United States. Yeah. I think that was a very conscious decision by her. Right. But also too, I think for her being in Paris, she could feel like she was more herself. I think absolutely. I think and so. And being separated from everything yeah. that yeah. she grew up with. She could be yeah. independent and kind of figure out who she was. Right. Yeah. So so your first book was published in 2009 mm -hmm. and that's the first book in the Chicagoland Vampire series and yeah. um, Some Girls Bite, which is such a great title. Yeah, I still get a little cringy. <laughs> that was the 49th no, was, title, interestingly. It took us 49 really? tries to get no, to that title. I think it's yeah. a great title. So how has, you know, in nine years or uh, longer, because you were writing this a bit before the sure. book was actually published in and on bookshelves. Um, how has your writing life changed now that you've had so many books out in the world? Oh, goodness. And, and also <laughs> publishing. How has yeah. it changed for you? And maybe their approach towards you as an established best-selling author, but sure. also your approach towards them. Um, well, the writing, my husband would say, has not changed at all. But I still have the same fears and anxieties. And I still say a quarter of the way through, I'm never going to get this book done. And I hate this book. And then I'll reach a point where I love this book and the writing's going really well. So I think the pattern of my writing has not really changed emotionally, according to him, because he sees it every day. Sure, sure. Um, publishing is really just a strange animal. And it has evolved so much in that time period. I, you know, I, I used to say that a, a rising vampire tide floats all boats because I came in when vampires were really big, all which right, was such sure. a fortunate time. And urban fantasy was such a huge part of um, popular literature because of Twilight. And then that kind of fell away and maybe we had, you know, there's kind of a fantasy boom and there's right. a millionaire love story boom. And there have been a few other booms along the way, but I don't know that there's been any like the Twilight uh, developed a vampire paranormal boom. Right. Um, so publishing, I think, is in a little bit of a weird spot right now yeah. because they're still looking for the next big thing. Well, dystopian was huge. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. so, we've got yeah. the ups and downs of so many. And then the genres. thrillers, the kind thrillers, of thrill, women-driven sure. thrillers, are mm -hmm. really big. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Are any of those? Twi I mean, from a number standpoint, I don't know if any of those have lifted their respective genres as much as Twilight seemed to. Probably do. not. And I think I think probably lifted YA as oh, as, sure. as, a, as just a you know. The, a subset of what young adult literature is. It was huge Absolutely. what it did. And then yeah. there's, you yeah. have self-publishing that really grew, especially in you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, oh, and yeah. absolutely changed the industry, especially for anything that has a romantic element to it, right. um, which is just you know, an amazing development. So publishing is in a really weird kind of transitional phase, yeah. I guess. What, what do you prefer when you talk about your series? Um, you know, the only, th I, I tend to call them urban fantasy. I okay. think it's maybe not as dark as some urban fantasy yeah, because it does right. that, have that humorous edge. The only thing I don't like, especially for the vampire books, mm -hmm. is when they're called young adult because the heroine's yeah. 28 and there's a lot of swearing and there's some sex and that makes me a little uncomfortable yeah. to think that this now, being painted off would, to 14-year-olds. I would never put them into a young adult. I, you know, category. I think most people don't, but every once in a while I will get a review. I think part of it is because I have that kind of silly tone occasionally mm -hmm. yeah. and I don't know if people read that and think it's less serious and so they yeah. assume it's YA, but that one I have never really understood because, I mean, start the, from the 28-year-old heroine premise. It doesn't and make any sense doesn't really fit. It in there. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Um, so 
your fans, they, you know, they are rabid, and you have you do have armies of those. Thank goodness. Um, how do you connect with them? Because that has even changed in the nine years since your oh, first absolutely. book was published. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And how how authors connect with their their favorite authors, but how authors connect with their their fans as sure, well. Sure. Sure. And you know, I noticed on your website and your blog when you you know you're giving away lots of really fun swag. Yeah. You know, to go swag. to a certain thing, which is, it's so cool. But I how love swag? <laughs> and I think. From what I could see is that you have some fans that adore you and you vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit of how you work your fans and, and how social media has changed the whole scene. Completely different. Yeah. So when I first started, it was email and it was blogging. And so it was, you know, you'd post yeah. something, you'd have comments, you'd communicate in that way. I used to get a lot more email than I do now. And I don't, I think in part because people can talk to me on Facebook, mm -hmm. they can talk to me on Instagram, they can talk to me on Twitter. So there is an accessibility of authors that is really different than it had been, you know, just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm doing more Instagram partly because I just like taking the pictures because it's fun to kind of think about the how you frame them and how you change the filters. But also just the visual element of being a writer and sharing that journey mm -hmm. has really developed in the last few years. Okay. Well, I noticed too, you, you've got some great things you're giving away, totes and sure. keychains and bookmarks yeah. and sign books and all sorts of great things. But I think, and I think authors who have such a fan base, it's a real community. It I is. Mean, it truly is. It absolutely is. Yeah. We have a fan page on Facebook just for people to talk to. My assistant runs it and they communicate every day. And it's sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, today is National Chocolate Chip Day or Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. Do you like chocolate chip cookies? People just want right. to talk. They want to engage. And that gives them kind of a safe space to do it with people who have similar interests. Right, right. Um, your playlist. Oh, goodness, I yes. Love those. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And I noticed, I saw the playlist for Wild Hunger. Yeah. You got some great songs on there. They're good. They're good. So, the question is, yeah. do you listen, did you listen to that music when you were writing the book? I do. The playlists are always, always what I'm listening there. to. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes right. I don't listen. Sometimes, because I day job at night, I'm writing, and sometimes I'll just have, you know, um, the Great British Baking Show on in the background <laughs> or something, um, sometimes sure. some Bob's Burger, something sarcastic. But when I'm usually on the weekends, when I'm kind of engaged for several hours at a time, yeah. I like to do the plays because it really helps set the mood for the scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and it's, I think, I'm sure a lot of your readers will listen to the, the music when they're reading. Yeah, so, I hope so. Yeah. And I noticed on your website, too, the yeah. cool gift product you have based on the series. The cool gift product. Shirts and mugs. And oh, stuff absolutely. Like that. Yeah. We yeah. Have I'm sorry, that's, stuff. that's my logo. You know, no, that's okay. <laughs> I still call everything swag because well, it just falls well, no, into that category. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I call it gift. Yeah, that works. <laughs> in a bookstore. But wow, that's really cool stuff Thanks. you have for the different series. I yeah. love, honestly, that's kind yeah. of one of my favorite ways of stepping away from the books. I have a very small background in graphic design, right. but I love to do it because it makes me think about the series in a completely different sure, way. Sure. So for example, in the Devil's Isle series, which is set in New Orleans, magic is banned. There's a group that called Containment mm -hmm. that has to kind of validate and, and be sure that you don't have magic. So there's seals, duck, there's some items on the website you can get with the Containment seal that verifies that you don't have magic. Right. So thinking yeah. about it, kind of how it connects to the book, I love to do that. Well, it's, it's a cool way to brand. Also it, that. You know, and, and, and for your fans, Absolutely. too. Absolutely, and in this day and age, branding is yeah. a very big deal. Yeah. yeah. Your cover art, I love the cover art it's on fantastic. most of your books. Yeah. So, do you have, do you get first say or first no or yes? Um, I, mean, I get kind of a no or yes, but I, my editor and I will kind of brainstorm about what the book's going to be about because okay. oftentimes the cover is done before I've written the book. Yeah. So, we'll talk about seasons, we'll talk about what the characters look like. Um, at the beginning of a series, I might get pictures of a model to see if she kind of matches what's yeah. in my head. Yeah. 
Um, and we really try to set the mood to give the artist something to work with, but then it's all on the artist. Every once in a while, we'll make a small change. There was a book uh, earlier in Chicagoland Vampires where Merritt was wearing a ring on the fourth finger of her left hand, and I thought, no, we cannot have that, because people are gonna, they'll see that, and they'll think it means something, so yeah. we had to kind of dial oh, back sure. a little bit yeah, on that. Yeah. Um, your books are in a lot of different languages. Do you mm -hmm. know how many now? I think it's 13, well, I think it's 13 countries. Is okay. that right? Wow. Maybe 13 publishers. Yeah. I forget. I used, I had counted them previously, but some continue to follow the series and some will, you know, publish two or three and then they won't. So I've right. kind of, my count is off because of that. Yeah. Have you toured any of the countries, especially where, where it's a different language? I've done France. That's the only one I've been able okay. to do, which was fantastic. I did a science fiction and fantasy convention there a few years ago, okay. um, which was absolutely fantastic. And they have such a different, I think the way they see the books is very different in the United States. So that was a really interesting experience. So how, how would they see it the, the audience is a lot younger. Um, oh. The covers of the books are marketed, they almost have more of a kind of a private school vampire look about them, okay. but the readers tend to be a lot younger. So I don't know if kind of French women somehow become more mature at an earlier <laughs> age. I'm not really sure demographically yeah. what's happening, yeah. but it was a really interesting difference. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So your earliest recollection of wanting to be a writer, because I know you're a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. By day. Yes, by day. By day, you yeah. are. Shark you are. by day. <laughs> But your, say your earliest recollection when you were, when you were young, that you thought, I, I really want to grow up to write books. So I never thought that. You I didn't. thought writing was okay. the most horrible and terrifying thing you could ever do. Um, I was in graduate school and I worked as a receptionist at a law firm in the summer and I would see lawyers go into their office because they had to write a brief on a deadline. I thought, God, that's horrible. What a horrible thing to have to do. And now I do it for both <laughs> jobs. Um, I was in a relationship. Uh, I was married and got divorced and reading was my mechanism for dealing with that. And once I ran out of things to read, I thought maybe I'll try my hand at writing. Yeah. And that was 2005, 2006. So what was that What was that thing that really clicked? I mean, we just giving it a try after reading so many books yourself. Um, you know, it was the character development. It was it was loving books and series and having that kind of family to relate to because they you, ha you know the inside jokes, they're sure. gonna show up book after book and be kind of comfortable for you that way. And I wanted to create that for myself. Yeah. So it was a very selfish thing to yeah. do. So I can't believe that you are a lawyer by day. Mm -hmm. so, you, know, you make that sound so dangerous. No, I know, I know, but so but <laughs> I read a lot of contracts. You know, urban fantasy writer by night. <laughs> yes. How yeah. do you do all that? Um, honestly, we don't have kids <laughs> and we have dogs. They are easy to take care of, I think. Yeah. You can put them in a box and nobody's going to complain about that. Um, my husband's a gamer, so he games and I write. Um, and that's kind of the way that we've worked it. Oh, we both okay. like to stay busy and, and kind of have activities. Sure. So that's sure. one of the activities yeah. I've, I have selected. So. so you went to the University of Nebraska for your undergrad. For law school. For law school. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what, what aspects of being a lawyer... Yeah. <laughs> Any have you applied that to being an oh author? My goodness, and what? to the, the kind of books that you write. Wow, nobody has ever asked me that question yeah. in all this time. You know, I mean, primarily it's going to be writing skills because I write okay, all day. Sure. I'm the kind of lawyer that writes. I really think that has honed my ability to not say too much, to kind of make every word count and not spill onto the page. Um, other than that, though, I try to keep them pretty compartmentalized. I'm a really curious person, and I like to learn. Sure. So I get to do that at both jobs, because at work I get to research. At home I get to research. They're just researching different things. Yeah. So I think there's a skill set there that really works for both. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Okay. <laughs> 
So I know you, I read in your bio that you grew up in the South sure. somewhere. Yeah. So where was that in the South? Uh, in Arkansas, Jacksonville, uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, which is near Little Rock. Okay, you know, when I always think of Southern literature and, and novels, I always think of, you know, Southern Gothic. Sure. So. Was there anything about growing up in Arkansas that you've put into your books, maybe? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you know, uh, <laughs> growing up in the South, vast love of food. Um, okay. I grew up with grandparents, great grandparents who had a garden and who cooked every day, huge meals for the family. Okay. So certainly, and I write about food a lot, yeah. and I know part of that kind of came from sure. that sensibility. Um, but you know, there is in the South very much a sense of, there's two things. There's a one really strong connection to family, but there also is, as in many places in the country, sometimes a sense that there's the right people and the wrong people. Oh. And I think the vampire books in particular are about, they, I think they're inherently political because they're about these supernaturals are, sure, are okay, right. these are not. If you have this, you're fine. If you don't have this, you're not. And there's there are decisions that are being made by humans a lot about right. what's okay and what's not. Okay. And I think yeah. that's, you know, those are things that I kind of grew up thinking about. Right. So it makes sense for me to kind of explore yeah. them yeah. this way. Okay, tell us what's next. What are what's you working next? on now? So I'm currently working on, I was literally just down the street writing. Um, <laughs> I'm working on the fourth novel in the Devil's Isle series, oh, which I'm very excited about, set in New Orleans, post-apocalyptic magic. Then I will write the second book in the Heirs of Chicagoland series. Um, those are scheduled both for 2019 releases, and I have also a secret project that my editor is taking a look at. So I don't know if I'll have news on that. We have to see, but okay. I'm super excited okay. about the possibility. All right. Yeah. Cool. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay, so here's the quiz. Okay. So this is kind of a lightning round. <laughs> I'm really nervous right now. No, these are really fast, <laughs> okay. fast questions. Okay. Whatever comes to mind, that's sure. what you're going to say. And they're okay. all about books. Okay, fair okay. enough. Or your reading life. Sure. Okay. What was your favorite book when you were, you were a kid? That's Anything right. by Lois Linsky. I oh, loved those books. I now collect yeah. them when I can find them on Etsy or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, how about in high school? Has anything stayed with you since you were in high school? Oh my gosh, what did I, you know, I read a lot of books about college basketball in high school because for some reason that was a thing I was super interested in. And I'm sure I read Sweet Valley High and all that jazz, yeah. but I particularly loved reading about college basketball when I was in high school. Okay, is there anything when you were in college or when you're getting your law degree that has stayed with you? What did I, uh, paranormal, well, in, when I was getting my law degree, it was absolutely kind of the beginning of paranormal romance. Oh, um, okay. Anita Blake, Laurel K. Hamilton, right here. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, she was just here. Oh, okay. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. I absolutely yeah. adored those books because it was such okay. a cool mix of mystery and paranormal. Right. And that's what I try to do now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, have you ever faked reading a book? Oh, absolutely. In okay. college. Never yeah, here, but in college, absolutely. <laughs> do you remember yes. something that maybe you faked reading? Um, you know, oh, I, I apologize for this, guys. I had several classes in, um, I was a political science major in kind of po political economic theory, and I'm pretty sure I skimmed my way oh, through Oh, I would those totally fake that, Yeah, too. it was totally yeah. not my that makes, that makes sense. Total respect to the professors at Hendricks College, because it was great. Okay. <laughs> How about a book you wished you had written? Oh, my gosh. I have started reading um, Lauren Groff. Um, oh, yeah. Which, oh. and her writing... Yeah. Her use of words is amazing. She has such a lush yeah. way with words. It's so evocative. So it's not, I don't, even irrespective of the story, I just want to be able to use words like that because yeah. the, her, it's just absolutely masterful. Well, I loved her, Monsters of Templeton, yes. one of her first ones. Yeah. I thought was it was so, so good. good. And I yeah. read that right after Essex Serpent, oh. which has a similar which idea. Is, yeah, right. So I'm not sure how no, he ended those up with those great. two books at once, but that was a really interesting contrast too. That would be. Yeah. Okay, how about, um, who is your favorite literary vampire? Oh my gosh! And it can't include one oh, of your that's own. It's really hard. I know. Um, mm, my gosh. You know, I'm gonna say I'm totally gonna 
cop out here and say okay. Ethan Sullivan because I hear his voice so clearly in my head. Okay. So he is the one who speaks to me the loudest. Okay. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what was the last book you gave as a gift? Um, it probably would have been an America's Test Kitchen cookbook to my in-laws oh. because I love the scientific approach to cooking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if you could have a dinner with, including yourself and three people, live or dead, three authors, who would those three authors be? Oh, my goodness gracious. Let's have Lauren Groff so she can just teach me. Okay. Um, you know, another author whose writing I absolutely adore is Lindsay Fay. She has oh, that okay. same sure. ability to use words in such a unique and creative way. Um, oh, my gosh. That is such a hard question. There are so many. Off the top of my head, let's say Neil Gaiman because the world building oh, is absolutely oh yeah. amazing. Okay. That, yeah. that makes it that's well. An e that's an easy one. I will just be under the table. Yeah. No, listening. I am. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. How about a, a book, any book you read in your entire reading life? that you've been an evangelist for. You had to, you could not tell enough people. They had to read it. They um, had to read this book. I don't remember if it was here, or I think it was the last time I came to Racine, Wisconsin. Um, it was before Outlander became a series, and yeah. I bought every copy of Outlander and distributed it to the crowd okay. because I was absolutely intent upon people reading Outlander. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good choice. Yeah. And what are you reading now? Oh, my goodness. What am I reading around? I'm actually reading a nonfiction right now. It's called Cattle Town, and the author, I forget the author's name, but it's a really interesting look at how, I went to Wyoming last week, so oh, I'm sure okay. this is related, um, how cattle towns developed in the Wild West mm -hmm. in the late 1800s. Um, and a lot of it is kind of, it's very factual, but it's also very procedural. Um, there were European investors, and then what happened when barbed wire fence was, you know, introduced, and just the really interesting kind of mechanics, right. um, looking yeah. at the development of the Wild West. Okay, yeah. great. Great score. Alex Trebek would be so thank proud of you. you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, Chloe, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with Absolutely. me. I am so thrilled to be congratulations here. Congratulations on Wild Hunger, the first book in the new series, and you have to promise to come back and see us again. Uh, anytime. I'd be happy to. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a great conversation with Chloe Neal, New York Times bestselling author of the Vampires of Chicagoland series. And she has a new book and a new series called The Heirs of Chicagoland and is called Wild Hunger. Thanks for joining me on Authors Revealed.